Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations, Episode 16, Singing the Stars. There's many a lass of the scientist clan that has followed her brief in a I am Frances M. Lynch, the Artistic Director of Electric Voice Theatre, and you are most welcome to the 16th episode of our podcast series, Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations. Mary Maxwell Campbell's March is giving way to The Weaver's Prayer, written by Maria Barthelemon, also known as Polly Young, a singing star who was born, very appropriately, in Covent Garden in 1749, just one year before the subject of today's episode, Caroline Herschel. Barthelemon did not shine alone, but was one of many English singing stars of her day, like Elizabeth Turner and Harriet Abrams, who were associated with the music of Handel, Arne or Haydn, and were also also composers in their own right. But for the interests of her brother, Caroline Herschel could well have numbered among these stars instead of numbering stars in the heavens. We will be examining her work as an astronomer through objects from the archives of the Royal Astronomical Society, which you can see on our page at minervascientifica.co.uk. Today's guests are... Sean Crosser, and I manage the library and the archives at the Royal Astronomical Society. Annalisa Varri, astrophysicist at the University of Edinburgh. Patricia Farrer, historian of science and emeritus fellow of Clare College, Cambridge. We begin with Handel and the arrival of Caroline Herschel in England with her brother, William. They originally came from Hanover in Germany. After some long arguments with her mother, Caroline was eventually allowed to join William in Bath, where he promised to help her become a professional singer. I was in 1778 the first singer in the concerts in Bath. And suppose I must have acquitted myself tolerably well as I was offered an engagement for the music meeting at Birmingham. But as I never intended to sing anywhere but where my brother was the conductor, I declined the offer. But when he got hooked on astronomy, he forced her to abandon her own career and collaborate with him. I am nothing. Those words were written by the astronomer Caroline Herschel in her memoirs. And then she went on. I have done nothing. A well-trained puppy dog would have done as much. Lack of self-confidence afflicts many young women. But Caroline Herschel suffered the problem in spades. This intelligent, resourceful and hard-working woman revolved around her elder brother William like a planet circling the sun. William, William, suppose we sing a catch. They were a research team, but only he is celebrated as the famous astronomer who discovered the planet Uranus. She it was Having passed the night near the instrument, took the rough manuscript to her cottage at the dawn of the day and produced a fair copy. 
copy of the night's work, the night's work on the following morning. She spent long, cold nights jotting down observations. And then while he went off for a sleep, she carried out all the mathematical calculations needed to compile their data into a star catalogue. When they decided to build a giant telescope in the garden, she organised the construction workers and spent hours down in the basement sieving horse manure to make smooth moulds for the mirrors. She also conducted her own independent research. William gave her a small telescope called a comet sweeper. As if she were housekeeper to the heavens, she systematically swept back and forth across the skies, searching for unfamiliar objects. And she became the first woman to discover a new comet that nobody else had spotted before. Comet, comet denoted by C. E. 1786. The year that it was discovered. E. One. This is still the, the current scientific name for identifying the object. Image one shows the pages in Caroline Herschel's notebook where she recorded the first of several comets that she observed. One of three observation notebooks that Caroline used to record her discoveries between 1782 and 1824. They're quite small, slender documents about the size of an A5 exercise book and they're covered with a really rough handmade paper covering. This is the first of the observations that she's made. She's written the date at the top. There are time stamped in the left-hand margin. She's drawn circles which represent the field of view of the telescope she was trying to draw the positions of the stars and what turns out to be a comet as accurately as possible using triangulation. Like a hand-drawn photograph of what she can see. She realised very early on that she was looking at her first comet. I saw the object in the centre of figure one like a star out of focus while the others were perfectly clear. She's describing what the nature of a comet is. Comet, the Latin for hair, hairy stars. They were fuzzy, they were indistinct compared to the much clearer fixed stars. And the comet just behaves differently, it moves. If you look at the picture, the clear stars and the fuzzy object right in the centre, and, and that is what turns out to be the comet. Comet 1 is an hyperbolic comet, it's now gone forever. Caroline was incredibly lucky and capable in noticing this and immediately having the reference put down and then calculating the orbit. I have done. Nothing. There are several ongoing scientific missions that are designed to really investigate the nature and the demographics of comets in our solar system. They are crucial because they carry information about the formation of planetary system like our own solar system. We are progressively building better theories in order to relate the role of comets to the role of the formation of planets. They are vectors in the sense of moving objects that can connect different areas of a given solar system. A young female astronomer at the University of Edinburgh, Cyril Opiton, is studying comets intensively. Is her work like Caroline Herschel's? Is she going to have to sit up all night in the freezing cold? <laughs> no, we have a much easier life nowadays. It was by night, acted as his amanuensis. I have done nothing. Comet 35 P. Rigole. Herschel. Images 2A. And to be. This is an elliptic comet. And the actual orbital period, how long would it take for this comet to go around once, is 155 years. 
Caroline saw it the first time in 1788, and then the second French astronomer, Roger Rigolet, saw it again in 1939. We are expecting the next passage at the perihelion, the closest point with respect to the distance from our sun, in 2092. Caroline already made a huge impression upon the scientific community with her first discovery. It was the first time that a paper written by a woman had been read out, of course by her brother, at a meeting of the Royal Society. This new discovery just a couple of years later, shows that it was not an anomaly. She states on the 21st of December, When I had swept as far as Beta Lyra, I perceived a comet. She is stating confidently that she knows what a comet looks like. My brother made a proper delineation of its place with some neighbouring stars. She was deferring to the methodology that he was using to calculate the completely accurate position in the sky. However, Caroline Herschel herself was an extremely systematic observer. A Victorian feminist, Emma Wallington, wrote, The splendid renown attached to Sir William Herschel's name was largely due to his sister's superior intelligence, unremitting zeal, and systematic method of arrangement. He really would not have been able to gain the renown that he did without her really systematic work. I noticed in one place... December 1789. She says the temperature is 22 degrees. It's really very cold. It's way below freezing, 22 degrees Fahrenheit. This pair, they were tough. It was a physical job. She injured herself on the equipment of one of William Herschel's telescopes, a metal hook dug into her leg. Throughout the night, William would work constantly. Caroline would spend a lot of time the next day updating and reducing what they'd observed the night before. When she was not observing or not studying the catalogue, she was actually polishing the mirror. There's no rest, really. So I'm lucky. I just need coffee and a piece of paper and a computer sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> image 2b you can see her typical sketching style using pen and ink to show the comet and asterisks to show the two fixed stars that it's located between she refers to signi and lara signi is the genitive for cygnus which is swan in the drawing with the delta that is the reference stars that she was using alpha lyra is from the Lyra constellation, which is the, the musical instrument. Yes. Swans and lyres. <laughs> Caroline and William were one of the key introducers of this practice through the new general catalogue that they systematically arranged that is a professional standard still. Image 2C. The first drawing relates to the phenomenon that Caroline describes in image 2B on February the 13th. It seems to be some kind of optical effect where the moon is bordered on each side by a bright spot with a ray coming out each side. Later on that page, you see a fuzzy object surrounded by crosses to denote fixed stars in the background. I the object in the figure to be a comet. But the next day, August 19th, she admits, The object I saw last night is fixed. It's not a comet, it's a star. No fear of making mistakes and admitting them. And this is how we actually learn and how we grow as scientists and as people. So this is wonderful. 
The next two images, three and four, are about some slightly earlier observations that Caroline Herschel made in 1783. 30th of October is the day she discovered an open cluster. I'm extremely fond of it. NGC 7789. A star cluster, and specifically an open cluster, is a ball of stars. And typically they are very crowded places, as Caroline was noting herself. They are certainly not a socially distanced uh, astrophysicist. <laughs> physical environment. <laughs> this high densities of stars is a fantastic environment for studying how the stars move relative to one another. Image four, there's a lantern slide. An original plate from the Schmidt telescope, specifically for this same cluster that Caroline discovers is still visible today. Image number five, John Flamsteed's atlas. The celestial atlas that Caroline and William were working on. I believe it's one of the most treasured possessions of the Royal Astronomical Society. It's a large book, but very plainly bound, which shows all of the signs of wear and tear. Very cold temperatures, very high humidity. The pages are torn at the edges. Burns from candles, candle wax, ink. It appears that ink has been spilled down the side of this page. And not just annotations, Caroline would often write down the position of a star that John Flamsteed had omitted from his catalogue. She's really a big source of inspiration to me. I was fortunate to receive an award granted by the Herschel Society and the Royal Astronomical Society in 2019. I feel a personal connection to this historical figure. The first woman to be paid for carrying out scientific work. Before she died, she envisaged herself ascending to the heavens to be with her brother. Whenever you say Herschel, you think of William and not Caroline, but we are trying to redress this. First woman to be awarded the gold medal by the Royal Astronomical Society. A groundbreaking figure. One of the first two women to be elected as honorary members, along with Mary Somerville. Social and professional recognition by her peers. So we're still using the NGC uh, New General Catalogue that they compiled together. So this is something that is uh, present in our daily professional life. You have been listening to extracts from Epitaph for a Comet Hunter, which I wrote in 2017 for an award-winning Edinburgh Festival Fringe performance. The music of Maria Barthelemon was sung by my colleagues in Electric Voice Theatre, Jenny Miller, Margaret Cameron, David Shepherd, Julian Stocker and Guion Thomas. Many thanks to our speakers, Dr Patricia Farah, Dr Annalie Savari and especially to Dr Sean Prosser and the Royal Astronomical Society for providing images of the objects discussed. You will find them at minervascientifica.co.uk on Caroline Herschel's page. And many thanks to you for listening. That's the end of episode 16, Singing the Stars. Do join us for the next episode of Women in Science and Music 30 Celebrations when we have a special family guest to share memories of an intrepid ornithologist. <laughs>